The reading of the scriptures from Jude, reading verses 24 and 25. So let us hear the word of the Lord with thankfulness for the scriptures that have been preserved for us. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. On uh, rare occasions, uh, whether it be a funeral or a wedding, perhaps another reason, I find myself uh, in different churches. And uh, if at all possible, I uh, always like to look at the bulletin boards uh, because they tell you a great deal uh, about the church and about what uh, uh, perhaps is important. Last time I did this, uh, there was an advertisement for bridge classes uh, jitterbug for teenagers, and readings in modern poetry. Now, I don't have a clue about jitterbug for teenagers, but nothing wrong with a bridge and readings in modern poetry. Uh, but the greater question is, are they sufficient to keep us faithful to the Lord? And that answer is a troubling one. I don't think the jitterbug will keep our teenagers faithful to Jesus Christ. So what will? And to that, uh, Jude uh, repairs to the greatness of God as he uh, concludes his brief epistle. Uh, it is, uh, as is quite obvious, a doxology. God is praised for his ability to keep us and to secure our place in eternity. And uh, God is praised for his eternal perfections. Uh, let's uh, begin being reminded of the context of our brief epistle. It speaks to the end time apostasy in which there is a falling away. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. The rapture will not occur until there's a falling away. By rapture, I personally uh, speak to... Uh, uh, the saints uh, going up to meet the Lord at His coming. Uh, in this case, the falling away is uh, the product of false teachers within the church. Apostasy does not occur in society at large. It occurs, it's an event that occurs within the church, the professing church of Jesus Christ. Uh, so here the uh, false teachers are leading some astray, uh, which means they will be ill-equipped to stand before God in the final judgments. It's really the greatest issue of all time. Uh, it's not who's going to win the Big 12 championships or will I be able to graduate on time? Uh, will the order come through? It is. Will we stand acceptable before God in the final judgment? in which he comes with his ever-searching eye to examine everything about us and within us, things we have done and not done. So in the midst of so many slipping away, uh, 
Jude makes this uh, profound case uh, for danger. And he tells us why we will not slip away. As he repairs to God in a grand doxology of our ultimate defense, or more properly, our final and ultimate defender uh, in the person and work of God. Uh, first, God is uh, praised because he is at work. Uh, many people believe in God. Uh, perhaps they uh, stop there. They little know or understand his providence in time and in creation. Uh, but the uh, true church of Jesus Christ knows that God is at work in every event in every blade of grass, in every uh, wind, uh, in every uh, breaking of the weather, uh, in everyone that comes across our path, God is at work. Uh, if he were not at work, he would cease uh, to be a God of uh, ultimate providence. Uh, and so we must uh, embrace the person of God as we begin to praise him. And here, God is at work in preserving his people. And that is why we will not break and turn and run, uh, defect and retreat, uh, commit the perfidy of disloyalty, uh, turn to a place where perhaps God is not praised in light of all that he is. And so the, the beginning uh, uh, praise of God from the words of Jude is that he is framed in the fullness of his divine ability, that God is able. Uh, perhaps it's worthwhile to retreat momentarily to anthropology. Uh, we are not able. Absent him, we are not able. Uh, sin, of course, uh, still abides within us, the vestiges of the fall of Adam, even though we know Jesus Christ. Sin has not been eradicated. It is still present, rendering us unable. Uh, to do the historic and heroic things of keeping faithful in an evil age. Uh, I am convinced that in a perfect storm, all of us are capable of profound evil. Because simply the nature of sin and the anthropology of man, we are fallen creatures. That's why we must be careful of uh, what we set our eyes to. We must be careful of those we hang around with. Uh, we must be careful, perhaps, even of the churches that we might attend, because all of us are capable of profound evil. It is the divine ability that holds us. Uh, this, this construction of the divine ability is found uh, in two other doxologies in the New Testament. Uh, the first is uh, Romans uh, chapter uh, 16. Uh, and the 25th verse. Uh, Paul, of course, is concluding perhaps uh, one of the greatest of his, uh, if not the greatest of his epistles. Now to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, that God is able to establish his people in the truth. He fixes them in the truth. If it's anything else, uh, they are not established, but the ability of God fixes and establishes His people in the truth. Uh, and therefore, they are rendered fixed and immovable respecting the truth. Uh, it is 
worthwhile reminding ourselves uh, from words like the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3, uh, that there will be a falling away from the faith, but not all will fall. Some, uh, because of the divine ability breaking upon them in sovereign grace, will stand. Now, I love the words in, uh, in, again, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. If we vacated the faithfulness of God and vacated the strength of God, we would not be protected. We would all fall away. Uh, the other uh, place where the divine ability is referenced in a doxology is uh, Paul's epistle to the church at Ephesus. Uh, chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Uh, that in the majesty of God referencing his church, uh, he is able to give to the church everything that it needs. And he does so in such a way that it's beyond what we might even pray for or even think of asking because of the majesty of His power that we cannot fully comprehend. More critically, He possesses the ability in our context in this brief epistle uh, to make us permanently safe. Uh, not just safe for a season, uh, but throughout every season, God is able. There are two infinitives that are the objects of the ability of God. First, He is able to guard or protect us. Uh, he is able to keep us, Jude says. Uh, and what follows is, of course, He keeps us from stumbling. I love uh, the words of the Apostle Paul, who in a similar theological vein uh, says in the first chapter of 2 Timothy, I'm convinced that He is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. So throughout his temporal existence and for ever intervening second until the coming of the Lord, Paul is confessing the faithfulness of God to keep what Paul has entrusted to him. It's a worthy reminder for each of us. Because the greatest of danger. Uh, is not that our economy will collapse, that there will be a nuclear war, that the seas will rise. Everything that our culture is afraid of, the greatest of all danger, is that the church will slip, fall into utter ruin. Paul is convinced, respecting his faith, that God will guard and keep everything that he's entrusted to him. Perhaps you're like me, you have some important papers. Uh, I don't know, maybe a will or a trust or a birth certificate or a marriage certificate and you take it to your safety deposit box. Or maybe you don't, but some of you, I suspect, do. Uh, and there you think it's safe, but there's nothing safe. I mean, robbers can break in, uh, they can get the keys, they can plunder everything. Not so. Our faith that we leave... Uh, in the vault of heaven. There is the only place where there's safety. 
everything else is fully capable of slipping away. Uh, so God is able to guard and to protect the faith of the Apostle Paul, the deposit he leaves with the true church. Uh, the Hebrew cognate of the word to guard uh, is used six times in the 121st Psalm. I'm simply going to read uh, two of the occasions uh, in which uh, it occurs uh, in verses uh, 7 and 8. Psalm 121, verses 7 and 8. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. He will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Notice the merism from now to eternity. From now until that time in which God comes to claim his church, his bride for himself. He's able to protect us from evil. Everyone outside of Jesus Christ does not have that protection. Everyone who has gone to a fake harbor of false doctrine and a wrong view of God is liable to eternal ruin. Uh, the only haven of safety is the God who keeps his people, who keeps the soul. Uh, I remind you as Christians, uh, there's no promise in the New Testament that he will keep our bodies in this life. They will all fail. They will all come to ruin. They will all suffer rot in the grave. But the soul he keeps, that which uh, will uh, abide for eternity. I'm not unmindful that he will claim our bodies and he will glorify them, uh, but the soul is the greatest of venues in this uh, time of life. Uh, the body will fail, but the soul will not, because God keeps the souls of his people from breaking and becoming treasonous. It's my own conviction that we live in a treasonous age but not so the true church of Jesus Christ. In Jude, he keeps us from stumbling, referencing the quality of the divine ability, meaning that we will not slip into moral or theological error. You think about it, he is able to keep us from stumbling. It's a qualitative act. I might stand before you and tell you that I can play football. Just not very well. I, I suppose I could catch a pass and, and not fumble it, but on any serious stage of competition, uh, I would be cut from the team. But the qualitative act of God in keeping his people is forever. Uh, it is, I think, the object of one of the greatest promises of all of Scripture. Because all of us know in the midst of the age in which we live, in which so many people are slipping away, that we too are prone, but not so if we know the Savior, because God protects our soul from slipping away. Uh, this word for stumbling uh, in the entirety of the New Testament is uh, used only here. Uh, it is uh, the verb to stumble with the uh, first letter of uh, the Greek alphabet as a prefix. Technically, it's called the alpha privative. Uh, it takes the idea of stumbling and then reverses it, meaning that we stumble and will stumble throughout our days. Uh, that we live in a world not unlike our streets today. Many people didn't come to church. Perhaps uh, 
their own wisdom. Perhaps they were wise not to do so. Why? Because the streets are slippery. Sidewalks are slippery. Uh, we're prone to slip and fall and break something. It's just the nature of the age. But theologically, it is much more dangerous than our parking lot. It's almost as if at every institution in America, save the true church of Jesus Christ, is hell-bent to make us to stumble, cause people to slip, fall away, to reject the faith, to turn from the deposit, perhaps, that they gained in their families from their parents. Uh, Psalm 66, verse 9. The psalmist blesses God who keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip. It's the... uh, something of the majesty of uh, the promise repairing to a passage that we looked at momentarily, Psalm uh, 121, in verse 3. He will not allow your foot to slip. slip. He who keeps you uh, will not slumber. So we live in a perilous age. Uh, to use the metaphor of uh, weather, Uh, It's as if Satan has uh, set a host to everything and then sent freezing weather to make our journey perilous and dangerous, that we would slip and fall. Not so with uh, God's people because of the divine ability. He keeps our feet from stumbling. Uh, It is uh, the profound uh, warning uh, that Moses gives to his people in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 35, in due time their foot will slip, but the day of their calamity is near. It is an incredible warning. Uh, as you know, that text was uh, used uh, uh, by Jonathan Edwards in his perhaps most famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Preached it to his congregation, knowing that some uh, were in the way of danger, uh, reminding them that in due time their foot would slip. Perhaps they were walking in pride, thinking that they were able and capable, uh, thinking that they had uh, a life by the tail. Moses reminds us, of what is really true in due time, their foot will slip. And apart from Christ, uh, slip uh, you will. It is something of the confession of uh, the psalmist in Psalm 73. Uh, The psalmist says, uh, my feet came close to stumbling, my steps almost slipped. Uh, He grows uh, troubled about the prosperity of the wicked and begins to eat at his soul. How come they prosper? Why isn't isn't the church prospering? How come I'm not prospering? Uh, The wicked prosper and they seem to get away with it. Not unlike some of the political commentary in our world today. How is it that uh, some get away with it and others get caught? I don't know the answer to that, but it begins to, again, eat at the soul of the psalmist. My feet came close to slipping. Uh, And then he goes to church and he hears a sermon. 
until I came into the sanctuary of God and perceived their end. And that is the point. Uh, at the end of life, their, their feet, to be sure, will slip, if not earlier. Uh, because the psalmist says, thou dost set them in slippery places. That the successor in state of the divine ability to make us sure-footed is that he, uh, and here again, we have an intensification of the quality of the work of God respecting his people. He makes us to stand blameless in the presence of his glory. Now one thing for sure, all of us this morning who know Jesus Christ affirm one thing for sure, none of us are blameless. There may be a qualitative distinction and some referencing others, but with respect to the majesty of an infinite God, full of perfection and glory, we stand wanting. But the promise is that God is able to make us to stand blameless in the presence of his glory. That we will come through a slippery age and stand in the eschaton, uh, inglorious, glorified. In the presence of his glory, we will be able to stand. No one is able to stand in the presence of the glory of God, save God makes them able. Even when Moses, perhaps in a time of depression, says, God, show me your glory. And God says, I, I cannot show you my face, but I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock. Uh, and the train of my glory will pass you by and you will behold but a measure. We will be otherwise because of Jesus Christ, because he will make us to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. It is, I think, in my own mind, uh, in all of the scripture, uh, a factor that should drive us uh, to the praise of God. Because uh, we are guilty, but... Uh, we are, in a measure, because of the divine ability, made guiltless. Uh, again, the divine ability. Illustration of this great truth. A picture of it. It's a picture you have seen, I'm sure, in a human form on a number of occasions. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. A picture of a great wedding scene. Of the beauty of the bride, the beauty of her gown, the beauty of her headpiece. And so God will make us without spot or wrinkle. Uh, he will claim us as his bride, show us to the world and vindicate us uh, as it slips away. Uh, another reference, uh, one of the great doxologies, uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, in verse 23. 
Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. A prayer that God will answer. Uh, we know that because of verse 24, faithful is He who calls you, He will bring it to pass. Imagine uh, by the power of God uh, being made able to stand blameless in the presence of His glory. A great reference here to the Gospel, is there not? Revelation chapter 6 and verse 17, the coming of Christ. John says, who is able to stand? The rhetorical question is, nobody. Nobody except those who are in Christ. Who is able to stand? They will all slip away. In due time, their feet will slip. They will stumble. They will hide, but they cannot hide. If you're outside of Christ, that... uh, uh, is a verse that ought to chase you to find the only haven uh, of safety in all of life and time and civilization. Uh, there is also, of course, here, as in every reference to uh, the sovereignty of God, the, the wonderful application uh, with respect to uh, what we can do as Christians. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Be all the more diligent to make certain his calling and election for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Uh, the greater part, of course, is God who gives us the ability, but in grace. But we are enjoined to practice the things of the faith, being kept from uh, stumbling. Chapter 3, verse 14, Since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless. Be diligent. Have a sense of urgency to the things that you are about. Uh, that you may be found spotless and blameless. Uh, but the greater reality is uh, we all know that we are prone uh, to wander, prone to leave. And so Jude breaks upon uh, the final uh, defense, the final line of defense in our final defender who's able to make us stand blameless in the presence of his glory. It's not just defense, it's the defender that makes it all uh, true. Uh, In Christian theology, in the life of the evangelical church, this is the doctrine of assurance and eternal security. It is always uh, somewhat ironic to me that the vast uh, majority of uh, denominations in the current uh, modern-day American church deny the assurance of the faith and eternal security. Uh, they would affirm that we cannot be sure or certain because uh, in their theological beliefs, our ultimate security depends upon our ability. Uh, Well, I don't discount our ability, particularly as we have the Holy Spirit who enables us. Uh, But Jude is telling us of the divine ability that will keep us from stumbling. And that is able to make us stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. It is the reason that his text ends with this great doxology in the midst of a slippery age. Uh, it, it is a cause for the praise of God. It is uh, a cause for joy. Uh, it is a cause that should lift our spirits and always to turn our face to the face of God because of his divine ability, which is our only and every hope. 
So uh, the doxology begins first with the divine ability, and now the doxology is based in Jude, based upon exclusivity. Our faith is an exclusive faith. Uh, not all come under its umbrella of safety. Uh, notice verse 25. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. To the only God. Uh, a couple other occasions in uh, the New Testament where uh, God uh, is spoken of uh, as uh, our Savior. Uh, but the point of this text is that he is, of course, our Savior, and ultimately he sends and dispatches God the Son and God the Spirit to claim us and to preserve us. So exclusively, our God is the only Savior. He is able and only He is able and worthy of praise. Every other religion, moral or not, has no ability to keep its people. Only, only our God. Uh, the uniqueness is essential and a reason for the doxology. That's why we believe one of the major tenets of the Protestant Reformation, to God alone be the glory. Everyone else must retreat, uh, save God and the church that he makes able to stand in the presence of his glory. His agent, of course, is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. This too is essential to praise. Essential to praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a great picture of this, as uh, I'm sure you are aware, in our Lord's high priestly prayer. Uh, John uh, chapter 17 and uh, verse 12. Uh, our Lord is praying. The time of the crucifixion is near. He prays for His people. While I was with them, I was keeping them in Thy name, which Thou hast given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished but the son of perdition, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. So he's excluding Judas, but the eleven, he guarded and he kept them, and not one of them perished, or will perish for that matter. A prayer of God the Son to God the Father of the majesty of the divine ability. It's also referenced, I think, in a, a beautiful text, that began this series in the book of Jude. Jude, uh, verse 1. Uh, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Powerful text in light of the context of many slipping away by degree into doctrinal error that ultimately leads to immorality and falling away protected by Jesus Christ, kept uh, for Jesus Christ. I would stress that if you are aligned with any other God or agent, you are going to slip. Uh, another reason in this great uh, dox doxology, uh, again, the divine ability, the divine exclusivity, uh, and now the supremacy of God, uh, the power and the dominion of God. 
be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. We praise God for His kingship. And that is the uh, one uh, prime essential to our security. Uh, that He is King. He has all glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. It's why the agents of the devil cannot get at us, try they might, even though they harm our bodies, they cannot get at our souls. Jude is acknowledging in the light of what he does, the greatness of God. Uh, first, God is glory. It's the highest of honor. Jude is giving to the majesty of God. All flame is fleeting and subordinate to Him. Pardon me, all fame is fleeting and subordinate to Him. Because He guards us and makes us stand in the eschaton. He alone is worthy. Uh, Jude does not pass out this accolade to any other false deity except the one true God. Outside of Him, men will slip away. Second, He is majesty, is transcendent. He is first and without equal or peer. Uh, this statement, uh, this doxology, as perhaps all of the doxologies of the New Testament, is an allusion to 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11 to 12. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Thine is the dominion, O Lord, and Thou dost exalt Thyself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from thee, and thou dost rule over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and it lies in thy hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. The context is uh, a prayer of David in praise uh, of the complete provisioning of uh, the building of the temple. And Jude sees an analogy in light of God's provisioning us so that false teachers have no allure over us. They come to beckon us. They come to sing in our ear. Uh, come to me. Turn my way. You know, we, we have no attraction because we have what is true. The false god of their theology is changed and there's no value whatsoever in heaven. Thirdly, God is power and might. His keeping and guarding cannot be defeated and will not diminish or be overthrown because He is sovereign. Because He is all-powerful, we are safe and secure. Absent Him, we are not. We sang this morning in our worship, Luther's a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Luther wrote that text as he was walking on the walls of the castle and observed men repairing it in preparation for trouble. He, he knew that walls cannot keep us safe. Only God can. Uh, he is the mighty fortress uh, where we find protection, a bulwark never failing. Lastly, God has universal dominion and rule. His authority is over all. It's the reason that though weak, we hold because our enemies are subservient to Him and His affections are upon us. Repairing back to the first word, verse, this brief epistle, we are beloved of God. He has set His love upon us. It's a love that keeps, abides, ensconces us, surrounds us uh, to keep us faithful. 
Uh, lastly, uh, the doxology here, or our praise of God, is uh, based upon the eternality of God before all time and now and forever. Uh, the praise closes with a statement of time, past, present, and future. The supremacy of God and His ability are not subject to the vagaries of time. They are of an everlasting duration before all time and now and forever. Because He is immutable throughout time in all of His perfections, we benefit by being made secure. From generation to generation, the people of God do not slip and will enter eternity. This is what holds us. And this is why we praise Him. Doxology is a link to the person work of God. That we owe our faithfulness and our perseverance and sanctification and ultimate glorification and vindication all, all to Him. That's why we praise Him. Uh, this morning, we, uh, we praise Him for another reason, uh, provision for the day, a reminder in the Lord's table. Uh, provenance, uh, Passover. Uh, the faithful family would mark their doorposts with the blood of the Lamb. Our, our lives are marked with the blood of the Lamb, so that the angel of death must give us wide birth. Uh, and unlike the first generation of the children of Israel, we are given because of Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ safe passage through this perilous age of profound danger. Everyone will slip except us. And as a reminder to uh, the faithfulness and graciousness of God, He sets a table before us. I love the words in Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Lord's table. We have this morning. It is laden with the most sumptuous meal imaginable. Our cup will never run out. But in time, because of our frailties, Jesus comes to remind us of a measure of his faithfulness and his goodness.